Well, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and as you may have already been able to figure out during our service, or may have already even known before you came in today, the fourth, the theme of the fourth Sunday of Advent is love. We're going to continue our Christmas in Philippi Advent preaching series today, and we're going to reflect upon God's gift of love and the comfort that flows to us out of that love which the Lord has for us and which he gives to us. To help us get started on that today, we'll begin our time looking at God's word in Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2. I've got that printed out for you in your bulletin. Of course, you could also follow along in your Bibles. That passage is also printed out on this handout that that Noah's distributing now. Paul writes to the Christians in Philippi, saying, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Pray with me again, please. Lord God, we pray and we ask that you would now pour your Holy Spirit out upon us again in special measure so that we would rightly understand and appreciate and apply this portion of your holy word in our lives. We pray this, Lord, for your glory and for our good. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, today we'll consider God's gift of love and the comfort that comes to us as a result of having God's love rest upon us. You know, in the Old Testament book of Lamentations, it begins with the prophet Jeremiah walking through the streets of Jerusalem as Jerusalem lays in rubbles, destroyed in judgment because of her sin. And as he surveys the city, which once was so full of life and vitality, now laying in rubbles, he says of her in Lamentations 1-2, she weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. She has no one to comfort her. She has no one to provide any encouragement. Speaking on behalf of Jerusalem, Jeremiah later will say, Is there any sorrow like my sorrow? Is there any sorrow like we are experiencing here in Jerusalem? That's what it feels like when one is left without comfort. That's what it's like to live without God. A a life without God is a life without hope. Paul says as much in Ephesians 2.12, speaking of our lives before being redeemed by the Lord. He says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, having no hope without God in the world. To live without Jesus is to live without hope. To live without the God in Christ resting upon us is to live without comfort in this world. 
But the God who loves us, the God who loves us so much so that He was willing to give His one and only Son so that all who would believe in Him would not perish but would have eternal life is the God who comforts us. 2 Corinthians 1.3 He is the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. And the love and the comfort that the Lord God gives makes all the difference. The love and the comfort that the Lord God gives enables us to endure. And Dave and Lynette, how I pray that you are finding that to be true for you. You know, the Heidelberg Catechism speaks of this comfort that is ours in the first question and answer of that catechism. I've got it printed out for you on that handout, and I'd invite you to take a look at that. Question, what is my only comfort in life and in death? Answer, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Scripture tells us more about this comfort and this love that's ours in Christ Jesus in Romans 8, that that familiar and much beloved passage. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will, he also, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In God's love, we are secure. In God's love, we will be sustained in Christ Jesus. In God's love, we receive an eternal security, an eternal comfort. And it's in God's love that our salvation is rooted. Ephesians 2, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, to be the propitiation for our sins. That's what we see shown forth in this meal that's been set before you. On this table, we see the love of God the Father on display. The love of the Father who so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that you might have eternal life through faith in him. On this table, we see the love of Christ displayed. Both his love for the Father, his submission to the Father and to the Father's will, and his love for all those for whom he gave his life for. Here then, on this table, we see God the Father and God the Son's love for you put on display. You are loved by God the Father. You are loved by God the Son. John 15, 9, the words of Christ, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then Christ invites us to live in the comfort of that love when he says to us, when he invites us, abide in me, abide in my love. In that passage from Romans 8, we see reference both to the love of the Father for us and the love of Christ for us as well. In verse 35, Paul referencing the love of Christ. And in verse 39, which makes note of the love of God the Father in Christ. And it's from this, it's from the love of the Father and the love of the Son resting upon us, which is the source of comfort that the Christian has. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. God's love for us is a redeeming love. It's a love that delivers us from the guilt and the presence of our sin. Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far away as the east is from the west, so far does he remove his transgressions from us. As a father has compassion upon his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Friends, this is the comfort that the Christian knows and possesses. That we no longer carry the guilt and the weight of our sins upon us anymore. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but in whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Isaiah 53, 5, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that has brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. Such is the comfort that flows out of the love of God in Christ. 
He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. God's love for those who have been united by faith to Christ is a redeeming love. It's also a sustaining and a protecting love. Look again at Romans 8 verse 35. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here I think of John 10 where Jesus declares that he's the good shepherd. And where he speaks of the love that the good shepherd has for his sheep. He says that the hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. And so when the hired hand sees the wolf coming, he flees because he really doesn't care for the sheep. But the good shepherd, the good shepherd, when he sees danger coming, when he sees the wolf coming, he will not leave. But he'll fight for the lives of the sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus says, will lay down his life for the sake of the sheep. And then Jesus says this. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the Christian's peace. This is the Christian's hope. This is the Christian's comfort and confidence. And because these things are all true, the Heidelberg Catechism then concludes saying, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. First Corinthians six nineteen and 20 tells us, you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. And that price was the high cost of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 then concludes by saying, Therefore, honor God in your body. We've been redeemed so that we would be delivered from living in futile ways. We've been redeemed so that we might live in freedom and in the love that the Lord has has poured out upon us. And we're then to share that love and that radical acceptance by God with others. We get a sense of that from that first passage from Philippians 2, where Paul says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. 
As men and women, boys and girls who have been loved by God, the Lord then calls upon us to love others. As men and women, boys and girls who live in the radical and comforting love of God were to share that same radical comforting love with others. It's like what we do at our, at our Christmas Eve candlelight worship service. At the conclusion of the service as Silent Night is played where we take the light of the Christ candle and we pass that one to another. And after we've done that, when everyone has shared the light that comes from the Christ candle with their neighbor, after we've done that, the whole sanctuary is then filled with light. Once there was darkness filling the sanctuary, but after the light of Christ has been passed from one to another, the light of Christ then fills the sanctuary. And that's the Lord's desire of what he wants us to do with the love that he has given to us, with the love that he has comforted us with. He wants us, as those who have been loved and comforted by him, to share that love and comfort with one another, showing forth that same love of Christ with others. As we conclude our time this morning, thinking about the love and the comfort that God gives to his people. Let's remember the comfort that comes to all those who know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior and as this one who is the good shepherd. Let's reflect upon Psalm 23 and be reminded of the blessing, the comfort that comes from the love of God the Father and God the Son resting upon you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and the staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, this is the comfort. This is the eternal comfort that comes from God's gift of love offered to us. Embrace it. Embrace Him. Embrace Him. Walk with Him faithfully for a lifetime. And if you do, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that we've talked about this Advent season will be yours for an eternity. Pray with me, please. Lord God, how we thank You that You have poured Your love out upon us. Lord, it would have been right for you to have poured out your wrath upon us because of our sinfulness. But the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that instead of pouring that wrath out upon us, you poured it out upon Jesus as he was there on the cross in our place. In mercy, you chose rather than to pour out wrath, to pour out grace and love upon us. And Lord, we thank you for that and we love you for that. 
Lord, help us by the power of your Spirit to share that love that you've given to us. Help us to share that with others. Lord, may we do that so that others would be drawn into your love in a saving way as well. Be pleased to do this, Lord, for the sake of your Son, we pray. Amen. I made reference earlier to Christ's words to us in John chapter 10, where he tells us that he's the good shepherd. He says that the good shepherd lays down his life so that the sheep can live. He says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Friends, in this table we see the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ on display. In this table we're reminded how God the Son came into the world first as a baby born in a manger, and then as a Savior of sinners on the cross. Our words of institution will... Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul saying, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. At the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it, and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But also as we share this meal, we also remember and we proclaim that he will come again. He will come again in glory. Friends, if this is your faith, if you recognize your need for a Savior, and if you recognize that Jesus Christ is that Savior, the only hope for sinners... And if you have placed your faith in him, if you have transferred your hope for eternal life, your hope for acceptance with God, if you have transferred that off of yourself and have, have, have placed that in Jesus, trusting in him wholeheartedly in him alone for your salvation, then this meal is for you. Um, please pray again. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of love, the gift of comfort, the gift of Christian community in where, where we share this meal. Um, Lord, we pray that you would be pleased to take these common elements of bread and juice and set them apart for your holy purposes, Lord. Do this, Lord, so that we might receive the blessing which you promised to us, which you offer to us in this holy meal, so that we would truly embrace you in faith for a lifetime. Lord, be pleased to accomplish this for us, we pray.